serious. And I began to understand the purpose of the song. And then the angel said to me, sing it. And tell your members to sing this song always. But at the end of March, few days after the visitation, the, the, the plague broke, it broke open in, in England. But you know something, anytime we sing that song, I remember the angel. The angel, I, told you, I think I told you, the angel looked like a woman figure. <laughs> but I said, it's not woman angel. There's no woman angel, no man angel. But this angel looked like the way women, you know, a well-shaped woman builds. You understand? Before they get married, you know, virgin woman, well cut. That's what I saw. But anytime you sing that song, that presence will come back again. Anytime that song is sung, the presence will come back again. It says, Be thou my battle, shield, sword, mankind the ruler of heavens and his earth we thank you for the privilege and honor of knowing you the only true king we thank you for the privilege you have given us who believe in your son Jesus Christ to live within us in the person of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the testimonies of your saints in this house. When the plague was coming, you told us for about three years you kept warning us it's coming. When the time came and the hour came, we thank you that you did not elude us, but you told us in days time it will come. And it was so. It will linger for months and it is so. I can remember the prophecies you gave us about the time at the beginning that this plague, we should look into 2023 to see the ebb of it. 
However, from 2025 to 27, we should expect another rot because mankind will soon slump into their worldliness. Satan will soon fill the hearts of many people. When they are free from this, they will soon forget the agony, which will trigger something else, but for the kingdom. But we thank you because you protected us throughout the period, as you have promised. We thank you you gave us life. We thank you you used this season to shape us, to equip us, to draw our heart nearer to you. So, Lord God, let your voice be heard to the ends of the earth at this hour. Under my voice, the blind will see. This morning, across the globe, as I speak, the lame will walk shall be raised. Anything the devil had killed in your body shall be brought back to life by the word of the living God in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anyone that the devil had put his hand upon, the fire of God from heaven will disconnect what the devil is doing. Yours will be delightful land. Your name shall be changed in this meeting. He shall be called sought after. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are prayed. Somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Put your hands together for the Lord. Please be seated. I'm so glad to be standing on the pulpit of God. And I believe so honored and privileged to bring to you the news from heaven. This period that we are in Christ with Tabernacle, I will say it is an awakening period. It is a time of more consciousness. My heart has gone so much over the past few days for the youths, especially those of you who are within the age of 21 to 29. And most especially those of you who are 30 and above. I listened to those who led prayer. And I think three times in the past week or two. A prayer has come up again and again. And that prayer came up from those who led the prayers at different times. Very, when they led those prayers, they, they prayed their intestine out. And I know it's from their spirit. Another prayer that have been prayed around points to the same prayer. And so when things like that happen, I as your leader, I only hear the spirit. <laughs> if you have a chat with mommy, she will tell you that, you know, the part of apostle that is a bit tough, very, very tough and rigid, is sometimes when you want to express your opinion, and I'm hearing something else. Though the opinion is good opinion, but it's not God. My major concern on earth is that to the last drop of my breath, you will only hear God from my lips. So that when, thus, the question is, do we not have the, the right to express our own how we feel? There, yes, we do, but not for decision. When you feel some way, you can say what you feel. But what you feel cannot be for policy or decision. Because of the living God. 
Is it not very hard? Yes, it is. But it's not hard at all. This morning, I will take you through the journey that we ended last week. And you will write down so many scriptures. We finished last week. I'm looking at the mystery of salvation and subtitle, Who Are You? It is necessary for anyone who is born again to know who he is. Mommy was teaching today in New Cross about knowing the names of your God. She will come and teach you that here. Two things. You must know who you are and you must know who your God is. So why God led her in this season to be talking about who God is. God is leading me to be talking about who are you. And when I finish this lecture, I'll be asking Dickiness, um, um, uh, Dickiness uh, West to come and share briefly with us. I would have, no, even let her come and share. Dickiness West, come and tell us. There is something that God gave her in the week that is very, very intriguing. And it's, it really caught my spirit. And I said that I want her to share this. It is in line when she's talking, be watching out who are, who are you. You have more revelations about this. Let's put our hands together for the. There is no protocol to help her up here. She's a woman. Because she's smart doesn't mean you should not give her the, you know, take good care of my ladies in this church. Good morning, church. Uh, this is uh, about uh, the Psalm 15 that we have been studying. And uh, God said that the, little of this, the, the title of this psalm is uh, Lord's Requirements for His Worshippers. It is often called an entrance liturgy in which a worshipper asks the condition of entering the holy, the worship place and the priest answers from the first verse which reads Lord who may dwell in your sanctuary or who may live on your holy hill and the second verse my mind is going straight away in the Psalm 23 verse 6 and Psalm 24 verse 4 that we read which is not by chance in Christ's first tabernacle we are all using it as a service opening psalm from verse 2, that it reads, He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart. We start to see a, leaf, a list of characteristics of those who serve God. People that come to church must be blameless. Those that is no deception in them. We all have our weaknesses. But by the Holy Spirit and obedience, we can be holy as God is holy. Remember, we all made in his own image. Therefore, it is not impossible to find ourselves pure and sinless as we can always go to our, to our knees, pour out ourselves, and clean ourselves with the blood of Jesus. In verse 3, the psalmist refers to our tongue, our mouth, 
our speech. We will hold accountable for every detestable word we say. Therefore, every word that comes out of my, our mouth must be seasoned with salt. Words of encouragement and comfort must come out of us. Words of truth and wisdom. We should be our brother's keeper and no slanderers, no gossipers, no mockers. In the book of James, in chapter 3, we read that the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. The tongue is a fire, he says, a word of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, set the whole course of his life on fire, and itself set on fire by hell. That's James. This is not our portion in Jesus' name. And he is going on and on and says, giving us further explanation about the tongue and the speech. Our prayer must be Psalm 141 verse 3. Lord, assign an angel in the door of my mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Therefore, let us always examine our hearts and make sure it's full of goodness, kindness, love, and peace. Let, let's make sure that we set our treasures in heaven because the Bible says where our treasures are, that is where our heart is. In verse 4 says, Who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord? We know we are not to look down on anybody, not to condemn anybody, anyone but to stay away from sin itself and not the, sin, the, the sinner. As we know that Jesus died for all, loves the sinner, but hates the sin. On the other hand, we should honor those who fear the Lord. We should stand on our word and let our yes be yes and no be no. We must not compromise because the psalmist says, even if it hurts, which means you might be asked to do something that usually is not easy or maybe things that would take you out of your comfort zone, things that require sacrifices, but we know that at the end, all this will pay you off. Jesus had to suffer, paid with his blood, but didn't look back. He didn't change his mind. It was not easy, but it was the Father's promise he had to keep. In verse 5, that says, Who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent? David reminds us what the Lord said at the book of Exodus 22, uh, verses 21 to 24. If we go back, we can read it. We should not oppress the poor, not to take advantage of anyone in need. We ought to be a helping hand to the needy. Bribe and holding somebody else's belongings and not be. Uh, is, not a form of, is a form of stealing, and we must not be found in it. God is assuring us that if we obey and remain faithful, we will not be shaken. God promised to answer our prayers just because he is faithful. Paul in Philippians 4, verse 5 to 10, he says, is encouraging us to stand firm in the Lord. He will guard our hearts and minds. Remember that David didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. However, he understood all these things. We now have the Holy Spirit to guide us, to filter every thought or every desire. So we have no excuse to fail on that, this checklist, I'll call it. 
We have been reminded recently by our father in the Lord, Apostle Williams, uh, who we are in Christ. Many people today don't know who they are in Christ. We are a chosen people, a holy nation, royal priesthood. Therefore, grace has been given to us to resist the deception. If there is a will, and there is a way, and the way is Jesus. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Bless you. Did you not hear God? Did you not hear God? This is one of the contributions in the Shiloh Pillars in the Cathedral, which holds every Tuesday. I want to thank every one of you who have been attending the Shiloh Pillars. It holds on Tuesdays at 9.45, just and close at 11. And it's really meant for those who you are not working as at the time, or you are a retiree. If you are free, if you have holiday at that time, connect. You can ask for the link either from the office where if you phone um, um, the telephone line, which we always advertise in our prayer line, 0794058604, you will get the link or from Elder Chan. You see, what God has been speaking to us through prayers and through the pulpit is, who are you? And I want everyone to examine this thoroughly. That is, you do not, if you're a husband, you don't examine this. You don't examine your wife on this question. You examine yourself. It's everybody mind his business. If you are a parent, you examine yourself, not your children. If you are a child, don't examine your father, your mother, examine yourself. I was speaking to the, to the people who came to pray at nine some few things which I would like here. It is essential for a person to know his identity. If you are not able to know your identity, you will not be able to function. There are some people who are appointed to be boss. They give them a job, a new job as a boss. But because they don't understand what it is, the subsidiaries command them in the new company. And they will succumb to that because they don't know what their job description is. They know they were employed to be maybe senior manager or a director or whatever. But they do not understand who that person is in position of authority and power in the organization. So they cannot function. So is anyone who is born of God who does not truly understand his identity. So we have been looking at from 2 Corinthians 5.17 to 19, the new creation. If a man be in Christ Jesus, a new creation, all things are passed away and all things have become new. The second one we look at, we are sons of God. John 1.12 to 13, yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God or the last future say sons of God. Children are born of natural descent, nor of human decision or, or husband's will, but born of God. Why would the Bible say all those things? I believe that you will agree with me that Bible would not never have mentioned not by natural descent, not by 
husband's will or decision of human, but born of God. The Bible will have said that because God wanted you to understand that people lay claim on children they give birth to because they came out of them. If a child says that his father is not his father, that does not undo the father. Because fatherhood is not by acceptance. It is natural. Somebody gave birth to you, your father dizzy. You say it's not your father, you are just cranking. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's like those who are born men and they say they are women. They are just playing, you know. Because we know that if you look at your birth certificate, you'll be registered as a born boy, born girl. Amen. So also your father will say, I denounce this child, it's no more my child. You are joking. Because it came out of you. By natural descent, your children come out of you. As it is that those children cannot be disconnected from you because they came naturally from you. Now, your salvation or your birth in the spirit, God wanted you to understand, is stronger than that. You are born of God. Born by God. It's not subject to debate. But yes, uh, last Sunday, we now zeroed it into, I want to see all these accolades that you are born of God. God gave birth to you through Christ. Like Jesus was born of God by the Spirit of God going into a virgin and the virgin conceived the boy and gave birth to the boy. And there's no such before and never shall it be to the end of age. You understand, therefore, that I stopped last Sunday by helping you to see that because we are born of God, we are chosen people. And we looked at the book of 1 Peter 2, 9 to 12. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And this is where I want to dwell on until further notice. I want us to explore this very vast. Thoroughly. Because in this verse, it's enshrined everything you need to know. Which other things that we're talking about will, will, will come from. Let's read again. It says, but you are a chosen people. So your family, if you are the only one born again, count it a privilege. Alright? In this church, we have people who are born again from Islam. And they are the only one born again. The rest of them are yet to be born again. We have people who are born again from family who just don't know God. Or people who are religious Christians. You understand? They go to church, they don't read Bible, and Bible don't read them. The priest will come and say whatever he wants to say. If he's not telling stories of the bulletin of the paper yesterday and what the Times magazine say. He will tell them some other stories of, uh, like I was told about one who always talk about the story of apple, apple tree, <laughs> all the time. And those people are going there every Sunday, hearing, going, and coming, but added no knowledge to their knowledge on earth. So, when the storms come, they cannot weather the storm. When the devil raises his head, they start pleading, and eventually some of them will go to fetish priests. Because they did not see Christianity as a place of refuge or power. And you have many like that. But if you are born again from among them, count yourself, you know, privileged. You are chosen by God. So I told you something you must not forget. Don't be angry with the others 
Because if they are not chosen yet, then they cannot see the light. Until the Lord chooses you from among them. But however, I told you that you should keep praying for them. Because you came out of the, them. Because Acts chapter, chapter 2, if you read down from verse 33, when they were questioning uh, Peter, what shall we do? It says, you repent of your sins, and you and your household shall be saved. So salvation is when God points to a person in a family, he wants it to contagious everybody. So that it's like fire. You put fire in this place, dry weeds, it can burn the whole city down. So is you who is saved. But you see, one of the things I've taught you during the week, which is very much concerning to God, is operating the mind of God so that we think like God, not like we, we want to think. And I help you understand that this is the access to power of God, manifesting the true power of God. When a man can think like Christ, he will manifest Christ. But you can understand that quite easily. A man, a young man, begins to think, you know, he's an accountant, and he becomes an accountant. He began from his thoughts. He became an engineer. He became a lawyer. He became a doctor. Whatever it is, it starts from your thoughts. So also with God, when your mind begins to simulate the mind of Christ, then you will begin to function like the Christ whose mind you are operating by. You will speak like him. You will understand like him. You tell the blind to see. That mind will see because you are not operating in the mind of human, but the mind of Christ. You touch a leper, he will be healed because you are operating in the mind of Christ. You have no, no, there is no deviation. And this is the purpose of this scripture, to bring you to that very place. This lesson we are looking at. So you are privileged people. That's why you should not blame or condemn those who are not. Second thing is that you are a holy nation. You have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's like somebody who used to wallow in, 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 in garbage and stuff, and then they brought you out of garbage into a very big palace, you know, where everything is gold and white. You can't come there with the boots stained with uh, all this uh, garden stuff because it will be glaring. And so they cleaned you up and gave you a royal shoe. Shoes that, if you look at the bottom of it or the sole of it, it, it does not eat up. It's always clean because that shoe had never traded on places that would challenge the, the hardness. It's just soft ground and gold and stuff. And then you're given a, a white robe to wear. I know that you will begin to agree with me that if you are such, and the whole place is glittering white and gold and, you know, precious and stuff, instantly your mindset will change from a man who lived in the ghetto. Because the people who live there have clean shave, they have clean court, everybody there, oh, yes sir, respect themselves. But you came from a place where everybody just lambasts one another. If you don't curse somebody, you have to abuse somebody to make your life okay. But in this place, no, you choose your words before. You think about your words seven times before you speak. And they don't talk too much. It will change your mindset because you are brought to this home. So when you live in that home, if your mindset is not changed, then you begin to defile the home because you go out and then sometimes wallowing your, your debts. Where are you taking it to? You cannot take it to the clean place. When you are coming back to that home, you begin to feel guilty because 
you have stained yourself. So is holiness. When you have been washed by the blood of Jesus and been made cleansed, understand this. The blood did not fall down from a living man. The blood of Jesus did not come just by Jesus stretching his hand and blood flowing. The blood of Jesus, it took a great price for it to come. It took a man who carried the sins of the whole world. It took a man who was disconnected from the Father because he carried your sin and my sin. He didn't just die. He fulfilled every prophecy. He was spattered upon and let those people who, who he healed spat on him, abuse and, and, and you know, curse him. Even the one that was his confidant denied him three times. And he took all these things, rejection. And you wonder whether he is really the Savior. Why he was going to the cross. They beat him and tore his skin to pieces with weak horse skin that has lead, triangular lead, serrated into horse skin. And when the soldiers of Roman will beat a person, they will allow you to go around him and pull him so that it rips up the whole of his skin cage all around about him. His intestine will have busted open. Let me tell you, they only do that to criminals that are condemned from history. And the reason why they do that is so that that criminal will have been almost dead before he gets to the, to the cross. They don't want to waste time at the cross. And they beat Jesus Christ and tore his body. But he has to receive such searing to pieces because if he did not, the blood would not be shed. And by the time he came to the cross, they put the thorn on his head and pressed the thorn into his jugular brain, uh, uh, vein. And it busted. And yet he did not die. Because he had not fulfilled the mandate yet. He had to take those sufferings because of you and I. Now let me help you know something. If it was you and I, we would have said, God, it's too much. It's too much. Let somebody do it. Somebody else should do it. But Jesus did not. Until they brought him to the cross. We understand by science that hanging on the cross itself... It's very much paralyzing to the brain. Because he was hung on the cross like this. Suspended by nails. Both his hands and his feet. By physics his weight is slumming forward. Thrust. The principle of thrust. And which means it is putting pressure on the whole of his body. That is trying to drag down. However, the nail is holding him from dragging down. All his veins and nerves were under pressure. His brain gone. He did not die because it is written that water will come out from his ribs for healing to take place. Until one of them took the spear and put it on his ribs and pulled it out. You know, spear has is a triangle. You cannot put it in human body. And pull it out without bringing out his skin. Alright? So, the Bible says, And his skin busted open with blood and, and water. Because it is written, The blood and water goes for the healing of nations. And then they continue to mutilate him. Until he said, Father, forgive them. But they don't know what they are doing. In that agony and pain, he did not ring curses on them. And when it's all over, 
It said, it is finished because those Roman soldiers go around, those who they hang, and if you have not died, they break your bone. But Prophet Isaiah says, his bone shall not be broken concerning him. So he gave up the ghost. When he gave up the ghost, they came to check. They were breaking the bones of the thieves. When he got to him, they discovered that he was dead. And so there is no need to break his bone because it's prophetic. prophetic. Let me say this. When I teach you on the pathway to the cross, you will weep. Because Christians need to know that this holiness that they attained by death of Jesus did not come cheap. God became man, left all his glory, carried sin, and then suffered to the cross. And died. I will make sure they announce our pilgrimage next year. Within this month and next. So that if you have never been there, you need to go. Those sites are there archaeologically, historically, to authenticate that the history of Christ is valid for 2,000 years. So, if Jesus paid all this price for you and I to be holy... And he did not charge us to adopt us as sons and called us his brothers. How can we think we can stain our garments with sin? Is that a good way to pay him back? It's not. To the last drop of my blood, I will walk in his command. Let me help you know with this now. We are still looking at just the scriptures. That's the book of Second Peter. First Peter, second first Peter second two, nine to twelve. He says in that scripture that we are holy nation. Okay? We are holy nation. A people belonging to God. And you had Dickens Petrina when she was reading the inspiration God gave her in the week. No telling lies. No slanderer of people. And not a friend of those who do it. Not backbiters. Not people who live in flesh. Not people who Form opinion by what somebody said. When somebody accused another person, I've told you. I mean, those of you who are lawyers will, will agree with me. It is just out of place for a judge, it cannot be, or a judge to hear a report of a person against another person and sentence the other person. It can happen. It cannot happen. It cannot. As out of two or three weaknesses, the truth shall be established. And that is what formed the judiciary system. You cannot prosecute a man. A lawyer cannot hear a man the way lawyers are trained. And then every story you say, oh, that's what he did? Okay, I will sue him to court. That lawyer will lose his head. He will never practice again. The procedure lawyers are taught to follow is just the scripture. When a person comes to tell the lawyer, a claim. He made a claim. Lawyers are, are taught, first of all, to write down the claim. 
after writing down the claims, lawyers are taught. And it's an offense if lawyer doesn't do that. To ask for evidences to back up the claims. Alright, when the evidences are given, lawyer is now taught to check those evidences with the facts. Okay? How we check the evidences with the facts? From the legal point of view, could there be more evidences that need to be presented? Okay? Then lawyers are taught that he should make sure he lets his client know. Even evidence that will work against you, you must not shred. Am I lying? Evidence that will work against you. Keep it and let me have it. If the law society hears that, a client says, can I shred my evidence? And the lawyer said, yes, you lose your license. It's a great offense. It is really criminal. Because you are concealing evidence. Then, how can a Christian hear a report about your sister and you have not spoken to your sister and you judge her and you made opinion about her? Think about this. Think about this. Who are you working for? Whose side are you? Lucifer. The one you spread away. Holiness is not what you think. It's what is written. Holiness is not the way it pains you. It is the way God sees it. A child of God. Blessed is the man who works on the counsel of the wicked, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, nor stand in the ways of sinners, and one. Alright? Three. Blessed is the man who works on the ways of the, of the, who, who does not sit in the counsel of the wicked, nor work in the ways of sinners, nor sit in the seats of scoffers. Walk, sit, and uh, stand. Alright? But his delight is in the law of his God, and in his law he meditates day and night. And the Bible says, anyone who is like that will what? Will be. So if you are not like that, you cannot be. You can't pray yourself to be. Really, your prayers will be answered because of the way you walk and stand and sit. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? Those who have what? Pure heart and clean hands. These things are easy, because those who are non-Christians, some of them have it. They can't kill a fly. They don't take accusation against people, and they make opinion by it. And later on discover that you have just been misbehaving against an innocent man. How long will you do that, if that is you? Hear what the scripture says. Yes. We are talking about a people belonging to God. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. His wonderful light. Verse 10 of 1 Peter 2, 9. 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are people of God. Once you were not a people, but now you are. That's why a Christian who goes about the street saying that, you accept Jesus or you go to hell. He is in hell already. 
Who sent to go and tell them they are going to hell? Who told you that? What if a man died without Christ? He's going to hell. You can let people know that. But the person you are talking to, that because of this reckless life you are living, you are going to hell. That person may be the one that God will use the, as greatest evangelist two years time. You're already condemning him. That's not the gospel of Christ. We went through that in the week in our prayers. So therefore, you were not a people, remember? And now, you are. So if you forgot that you were like them, then you will condemn them instead of admonishing them. I've seen, I've seen people who are Christians, they come from fanatic churches. You know, the fanatic churches are churches who talk about righteousness, but they don't have the power. They deny the power they are in. If you tell me that you're working in holiness, it's not by your talk. It's not by the way you are doing your face. It is by manifestation of power. The encounters of Christ. That is what chosen. They are preaching on the street. I went there and I met them. I said, oh, good, good brothers. God bless you. Keep on. And the man said to me, are you born again? Can you imagine that? Certainly it's insane. Someone who just accoladed you and said, look, you are doing a good job. Keep it up. Don't you understand? If it's not your brother, Jesus said, he is not against us. He's for us. And I said to the man that, sir, I'm born again. He said, are you really sure? To me. <laughs> if someone is telling Apostle Alfred Williams. No, Alfred Williams, you can talk like that. But Apostle Alfred Williams is <laughs> not attained because somebody ate belly full. So I had to stop and ask the person, what do you really mean, born again? He told me all theories that does not come from the scripture. And I told him, all these theories you are taught in your church is business. Okay? Very, if his face is very strong and tough. He wants to resume me from going to hell. He doesn't want me to go to hell, you see? But he's on the pathway to hell. Because he does not know about the kingdom. I have to spend a brief time telling him about the kingdom. At the beginning he was asked, when I said this, he would say that, no, 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 but are you born again? If I quote the scripture, he said, no, 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 don't talk about the scripture. Are you born again? Can you imagine a preacher like that? He's born again, is his painting in his heart. And the, the doctrine they have put in his head. There are many like that. But you shouldn't be. Because remember that you were like them. Who is in the world. What does that do? It helps us to appreciate more salvation that we have. However, if you go further in that scripture, he says, once we were not a people, now we are people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So we have a duty to let people know that you can be pardoned. No matter how bad you were, we have people in Christianity that are worse than you. Like in England, they don't use the, the word worse again. They say badder. You know, that's what English do. Uh, all manners of English they speak in England. When something is good, they say, it's bad, man. Isn't it? <laughs> something that is very good, they will say, it's bad. I asked one of the youths one time, he said, ah, that's bad, that's bad, man, that's bad. I said, what is bad? You know? 
Something is good, you are saying it's bad. He said, when it's so good, man. <laughs> so when he passed the boundary of good, it became bad. So when it's really bad, what do you call it? Good, man. God help you. The scripture says, remember you obtain mercy. Don't shut the door against others. The kingdom of God is the message of mercy. You don't condone sin, but you don't condemn the sinner. Because there is a way out for If only they understand it. Then verse 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you, then that is your own obligation to begin to talk about now. As aliens and strangers in the world, I want to look at that verse 11. I'll give you five things from it. I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And verse 12, I mean. Verse 12 says, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. <laughs> Is this talking about rapture, this visitation? No. No, it's not talking about that time. It's talking about now. But let me read it again. I urge you or entreat you. Whenever you see the Bible say that, it's talking about your obligation and what you ought to do so that what God said, we, He will be able to do it. What you can do to help the Word of God to manifest. He says, You should live as aliens in this world. You can't do what the world do. And that's where I'm going to stop it. I'm going to talk about the word pattern. Because it's a common word now. People are developing so crazy in the church of God and abusing others. Like when they came with these generational curses, that's how they make mad generational curses that does not exist in the church. And they made so many Christians believe in it to the extent that some people lost their families and stuff. Some people went, you know, psycho, whatever it is, because of this so-called generational curses that does not exist for those who are born again. Until the Lord pointed me to it, the Lord Jesus spoke to me personally and showed me the errors in this generational curse. And I began to speak it. Now some people in the world are changing because they can see the evidence of the truth in the things that God told me. Same thing with the word pattern. If you look at the scripture here, God says you should be living in the, in the world as aliens, that is strangers, and strangers, it's interesting. Alien, they say you come from one planet. Yes, you come from one planet. The planet is called heaven. All right? <laughs> we come from heaven. Of course, we don't have eyes like the aliens that they draw. Those aliens that they draw don't exist. We are the true aliens in the world. When Jesus will come, the archangel will blow the trumpet, First Thessalonians chapter 4, and then when he blasts the trumpet, death will rise. Those who have died in Christ will begin to blast open the, the, the graves and they begin to rise again. They will rise in a form that is tangible, not the rotten one. If You can shake hands with them when they rise, because that body is tangible. When Jesus Christ came out from the grave, he went to them and said, touch me, touch me. They touched him. He ate fish. You can eat with that body, though it's incorruptible body. Are you with me now? But that body can disappear too. Because it's incorruptible body. So, the Bible is saying, therefore, we are aliens. And then, we are strangers. 
When people gather to sin, it's strange to you if you are holy. When they plot to go and commit their sin, it is strange to you when you are holy. If it is strange to you, you cannot be inspired by it. Backward, 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 backward until you drop down. That is what it is. I will show you in the scripture more this morning before we stop. Be wise. You should be stranger to the world. Oh, this is the new fashion in vogue. You follow it. <laughs> Take photographs and stretch out your legs and your clothes is torn like this so that they can see all your laps. In photograph, put it on the, on the Facebook. Everybody that you led to hell will hinder you from going to heaven. It will hinder you. Because you are holy, you are expected to show holiness, and you are a stranger, you are alien in the world, but it is the world that dictates how you dress, how you look, how you talk, slangs that you use. To the extent that you do not understand that devil is the ruler of this world, Ephesians chapter 1 from, chapter 2 from verse 1 to 3, he is the God and the prince of the air. He controls the slangs of the world. He controls the dressing of the world. He celebrates them and calls them celebrities. He has program that they do and then you see that program that they do, all celebrities go there and they give them a graven image that look like the ISIS old goddess of Egypt. And they celebrate it. They are happy when they are given the ISIS and that image, they give it to them. And you are a Christian, you watch that, you love that, you got caught up with that. You are in the cobwebs of the devil. You are a stranger to those stuff. You should know when Satan shows up. In any form. You should know it. What is the danger of Christian doing that? I will show you and then I will stop. But we are strangers to this world. <clears throat> that is the reason why we can command and blind can see. It is strange to the world system. We can prophesy to you what will happen to you and it will be so. We can tell what will happen on earth, time and death, it will be so. When people are so scared to death, we are confident and bold. Because we are holy people. We have nothing to fear. We are working with the author of life. The one who determines whether a man lives or, or dies, lives inside us. We, because of that, sanctify this body and this lips and this mind. Because we know we carry God in us. It says here, Strangers, abstain from sinful desire. Abstain from sinful desires. Time is very, you know, time affects me a lot when I'm preaching to you. Do you know why? <laughs> I have too many things to help you understand the implication of words, getting from the spiritual to intellectual reasoning, logic reading, and to law. But we don't have much time. But let me tell you, the word abstain, abstain, it means I don't touch. The word abstain means it is prohibited for you to do that. If you go from England, you know when people kill people in England, we put them in jail. We shouldn't kill them. We all agree. Good. You go to Afghanistan and kill somebody under Taliban. 
Let me tell you. Whether you are from England, from America, the law there says, abstain from such. Such is prohibited because if you kill someone and they catch you, they kill you right on the spot there. They won't have to take you to judgment. So within these few days, it happened. They showed it on BBC. Somebody they caught, they said that person was going to, 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 to kidnap some children. And they caught that person in the act of kidnapping. They, they killed him there. Within this last month. It's on the news. When God says abstain, it is like you have, you have two bottles presented to you. They look like wine, both of them. You have used to drinking wine. And they told you that this one, though it looks like wine, but it is poison. What do you do? You have stayed from You don't say, let me taste it. Let me test whether it's poison or not. You will not live to tell whether it is poison. Are you with me now? So, why should Christians do what God said abstain from? If you abstain from it, what benefit do you give God? Nothing. 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 God benefit. Nothing. Who benefits from it? It's you. If you don't do it, if you don't do it, you benefit from it. But if you do it, those who don't do it will benefit and you will suffer consequences that you shouldn't suffer. Enough of that in the church. Two major things. The thing that make Christians suffer and the thing that hinder Christians from manifesting power. They are the two things. I'm a Christian. Show me. I want to see. Not by your talk. Do it. Let me hear you. Let me see. And these are the things you need to do. And you can do it. You can do it. Listen to me. That scripture tells you and I, abstain from sinful desires. Why? Which wage war against your soul development? You see, power manifestation comes from mature soul. Ability to see vision and trance. It is a mature soul that sees. When you train your soul to that, it's very easy to understand, isn't it? Isn't it? That easy. When you go to education and they are, they are, they are acquitting you with some education, they, they are training you in a particular way. What are they doing? They are developing your soul. 